Hello and welcome to the Relationship Matters podcast. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters. Hello, I'm your host, Katie Churchman. And in this episode, Marita Fridchon is deep diving into principle three of RSI. Relationship systems rely on roles for their organization and execution of functions. Roles belong to the system, not to the individuals that inhabit that system. This principle requires the biggest mental shift in teaming and leadership focus, as it asserts that every team member has the responsibility to hold a leadership role on behalf of the system. Every relationship system has its own functional and emotional needs that must be fulfilled through roles. Without assigned roles, the system can't function. These roles may be outer roles like CEO, manager, or intern, or inner roles like peacekeeper or visionary. The outer roles fulfill structural functions needed for the relationship system survival, while inner roles satisfy its emotional needs. These roles belong to the relationship system, not necessarily to the individuals that inhabit them. How one person embodies a role can be very different from how another person embodies that same role. So here's Marita Fridchon talking about roles. So Marita, today I believe we're going to tackle roles, which is a rather big topic, but we'll see how we go. I, I know. Yeah, so you're talking about that principle where we say that systems rely on roles for executing its functions. So roles are inherent to the system itself. Without that, that's sort of its octopi fingers, if you will, with which it is doing, through which it's doing things. So, yep, that one. And what I love about this one is it's not just the surface level roles that we might immediately think of. It's also the internal roles. And I think that's when it gets really interesting and complicated. Yes, I think that the outer role piece, we talked about outer roles and inner roles, and then there are more hidden roles, which are sort of the the places that I may not even be aware of, or it's more disavowed in myself. So roles, there's a complexity to roles as well. But yeah, those are the things. So would you say that roles sort of give you a sense of the geography of a system? I think so. I mean, if you typically, while we're talking about that systems are, every system is unique with its own third entity in the sense that you can, if you look at the scaffolding or the structure of whether you're looking at an organization or whether you're looking at a family, there are what we think of as outer roles, the role of parent mother or father, you can feel how there are different, depending on cultures, how different tasks are associated with that role. When you think of organizations, the corporate structure, you can see how the system itself needs those roles in order to execute. So those are the outer roles. When we're talking about inner roles, that's more like the nurturer, and the nurturer often lives somewhere with a mother or a father figure. But it also, if you think about families and kids, there are some kids that are actually very good at nurturing as well. So the inner role of nurturing often is passed around in different generations. The same thing in organizations. What is interesting is recently during the pandemic, one of the things that has become a topic is how the role of CEO, for example, chief executive officer, that is sort of the strategic 
head. But the conversations about how that outer role of CEO in this time very often has become the not the chief executive officer, but the chief caring or nurturing officer, because it's the place where so often everybody offload their challenges. Yes, it's HR, but there's also that place in that seat that now is forced to carry more of a empathetic stance and space as well as part of leadership. So that's interesting there when you said uh, forced to take that on. How much do you feel we have control over the roles that we inhabit in our lives? Do we have much control or is it society sort of pushing us into these positions? I, th- I think that there are roles that, you know, we walk into, we apply for them, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. But then there are places and it has a certain quote unquote job description. But then I do think circumstance heavily impacts that outer role, whether it's that of parent or that of corporate officer, there's a role that's a job description that's more or less generically accepted. How that role is populated depends so much on the profile or the personality of the person that steps into it. So if you are by nature a more empathetic person, more likely that you'll take the inner role of nurturer, either at home or in the office. If you are somebody that is not conflict-averse, but that are looking for the next piece, you may become the disturber, regardless of what the outer role is that you inhabit. So you can see how a thing that we talk about in systems thinking, that interdependence. uh, And that's also part, I think, of why we get this unique entity Mm. That is the system itself, because the roles may be standardized, but how they interact through inner roles, that's where the magic or the complexity or the mystery comes in. Yeah. I wanted to cycle back to your example of mother, because that's both an outer role and an inner role. And I guess there's a lot of assumption and expectation about what mother means and so you know how much choice do we have if we're in that role to decide on I guess what shows up for us it's so you know the question that you just asked earlier when you said you asked a question something around does society or our circumstances impact or force us into a role Mm-hmm. If you just take that role, the role of mother, and you then begin to look at some of the statistics around what's happening in uh, during COVID at the moment, you know, it'll be different in different cultures. But in the U.S., it's a very high statistic, for example, that women take the biggest chunk of when they work from home, there's also a bigger chunk of what needs to happen at home in terms of homeschooling, in terms of all of these things. So that maternal piece uh, begins to show up very differently again. This uh, societal pressure will impact these roles heavily. And we are focusing on the feminine one at the moment. It is equally true in all other roles. But if you think about things like how parenting are shifting and changing. And in the example that I used just now, when it, when it gets to a pandemic like the like COVID, 
it tends to revert a little bit back more in the older direction where it's mom's job to be home and cook. I'm saying it respectfully and I'm not trying to uh, woe anybody. So circumstances really does participate in this and shape it. I also think that there are role stereotypes mm-hmm. that because systems are changing constantly, the, it pushes on the stereotype. Whether you're thinking about, you know, what we have now is Black Lives Matter is the, there's the role that white has taken on against black that became very stereotypical but massively impactful. And there's a push to redefine and to find different ways to working with it. So there's a role nausea that can develop in certain roles. So there's a role nausea maybe for the inner role of caretaker or peacemaker or whatever it is. So there's a lot of complexity. A lot of the system's complexity actually lives within the execution of roles and the profiles of personalities that impact or populate those. That's interesting when you said about um, how we stereotype certain roles. I wonder whether as well we stereotype ourselves into certain roles and then we sort of limit our potential because, you know, I probably have a comfort role, a comfort zone where I feel sort of more naturally able and then there'll be roles that are probably a bit of a stretch. I think so. I do think there's a natural propensity and we dream ourselves into it and other people will dream us into it as well. So when we work, whether it's with families or whether it is in teams and enterprises, we all need to be equally able to populate different role functions. So very often, and particularly around inner roles, that's, a, that's an important piece of work that we can do in our families, an important piece of work that we can do with teams. That is, look at kids for a while. We want for you to come and sit in mom role, and then we're going to sit in dad role, and we're going to sit in kids role. And let's just have a conversation. Just that trying on loosens up and provides us with new information and it's skill building in different directions. It builds different empathy. It builds different understanding. And the same thing in organizations. Come and sit a little bit in the role of CEO and what's it like here? And then let me go and sit in the role of supervisee and what's it like there? So that is part of what creates the fluidity, the agility systemically. And I think we desperately need that. I really do. I think it's one of the places that so much of our work needs to be paying attention to. I just realized then how it sort of takes it away from the personal, which I know quite often we want to put heart into our work, but it makes you sort of able to sort of separate the person from the thing, the function that they're in. Because we dream people up into those roles consistently. There was, I will never forget, years back, fundamentals course, and in all our courses, we, people get homework to go and coach at home and then come back and for feedback on the next morning. So we came back the next morning, and it was after our geography course, and there was a woman who came in, and she was giggling. I mean, she, she clearly was, you know, there was something there. So we finally said, look, we, I know we're going to debrief homework, but before we go there, just tell us what happened, what's going on, because she literally, she couldn't contain herself. And she talked about how she did 
what we call lands word, visiting the land of the role, visiting the land of mom, visiting the land of the kid. So she did that. And what they did was they used different places in the house. So when they visited mom's land, they were in the living room. And the mom was talking about, you know, all that happens there, what she needs to do there. And when they visited the kid's room, they went to the kid's bedroom. And the kid was explaining what was happening there, how it is. And then they switched roles. So, and this is where the fun thing happened. When they got to the kid's room, the kid now was mom. And mom was the kid in the kid's room. And the kid was saying things like, the kid now in the role of mom was saying things like, you really need to tidy your room. You've got to put things away. Just look at what all is happening here. There's things that are not folded. There's things that's not put away. And the mom looked at the kid and go, that's usually what I say. And he said, mom, I am you at the moment. I am in your role. <laughs> and she just, uh, it was a huge fun thing. But you could begin to see how when we make these things available, it actually is part of an evolutionary function. Wow, that's a brilliant story. What a great, great way of doing lands work. That's fantastic. I know, I know. And I love that they went to the different stations, if you will, because the mom was, her domain was in that, you know, living room where the meetings happened and where they were doing things. And his domain was in the bedroom where everything was chaos. And when they switched, he could absolutely see what was going on in his mom's mind and be that. And the other way around. So she came back very... Happy, delighted, and smiling, laughing, and we all had fun with it. But I think that's the piece. If we can play around with roles like that, it really is an evolution of humanity. And it's actually a fun way to develop ourselves, that vertical development as well. So would a simple way to inject this into, say, a team meeting be to ask a question like, what would you do in my shoes? Would that be a a simple way of creating a sense of this? Well, I think that one of the places that we often look is if you have a team, we know which team member plays the different roles. I can tell you on our team, who's usually the one, I can tell you who the ones, there are roles that are most frequently occupied by certain people. So one of the best ways to work with is to begin to do just a little bit of education that, yes, your job is accountant or whatever it is, But what you often bring is pausing and some nurturing as well. So if you begin to educate that there's the outer role that is accounting, and then there's an inner role that feels very different from the outer role. If you begin to get that into the culture, it then begins to be possible that when the disturber, for example, do their disturbing thing, or holding that voice of disturbance, that you can go and go, okay, great. You are so great at holding that for us. Could you come and sit over here in the peacemaker role that Mary always holds? And Mary, can you go over there? And how would you bring us that disturbance? Because in that disturbance, it frequently is the next thing that we need to be able to do and act on. But because everybody reacts to the person that usually play that role, we can't get access to it because of the way they phrase it and frame it whatever. But if we can have somebody else begin to go there 
and speak from there and then go, anybody else, what would you say from that place? Now we have enhanced our entire team functioning simply by having different people go to roles that they don't normally occupy. It's powerful, easy, simple. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. I just had the visual of the theater and how, you know, sometimes when you're in rehearsal, people end up trying on different characters just to see which yes, ones fit. Yes. And it's like that, yes. but in life, in, in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's easy. It's not complex. And I think, again, if we more and more allow these things to become part of how we have our conversations, how we relate to one another, we normalize, and I do think the other piece that happens is it's a great way to begin to create psychological safety because it helps us out of role nausea and it begins to build skill where I may not be that skillful in my expression of that inner role. Right. So just an example then. Say if you're the one who, we'll use the, the mum example, the one that keeps the house tidy. Would you then, if you were nauseous of that role, would you then open it up to the family, potentially say something like, you know, I would love to share this role with all of you? What would that look like, that bridge? I would probably use different language from, and it's one of the challenges that we have in our training is we, we use professional language, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that. How do we translate that to the person or the system that I have in front of me. Yeah. So one of the ways that I have seen um, and worked with families in this was to have the mom in this situation that you're talking about communicate something to the kid that says, look, I always say this. Don't you want to come and sit over here and teach me how to say this differently or how would you say this? And I will go and try on what you say back to me. And then we have that conversation. Anything like that. Kids love playing that way. Mm -hmm. But even just that, it may take time, but even just chat loosens things up in a different way. Yeah, that's a really playful way of sharing a role, actually. Yeah. yeah. And again, there's this wonderful story about one of our graduates who talked to certified graduates and talked about her kid that just didn't want to eat. And how she ended up doing that is go and sit in the kid's chair and go, okay, I'm going to be you. You go over here and you be me and you tell me that I should eat and let me see what I say from you. So they played with that piece. And it was from that place that the kid criticized the mom sitting in her seat and said, no, that's not what's happening there. Mom said, okay, okay, come back and tell me what's happening. And for the first time, the kid could then begin to talk about why she didn't want to eat the stuff that was on the table. So just a little bit of tweaking and playing with that. It's, a, it's actually a fairly natural process because we all have inner roles. Mm. And it's just a way of getting to know ourselves better and create more skill. Yeah, it's definitely an awareness-raising tool. I can already sort of see the zooming out effect. Yeah. And then you can see how that begins to hugely impact outer roles as well. Mm -hmm. Because how do you begin to bring the inner role that you see somebody else do so well, and that's working with a team, whether that's being the challenger or being the nurturer or whatever it is, if you can begin to do more of that and try to figure out what it looks like on me, when I say that as CEO 
or when I hold that attitude or role um, as marketing um, head, how would I say it? That begins to give us a whole different way of accessing new information very creatively. It takes us back to that thing that we often talk about that is the uniqueness of each third entity, the uniqueness of each interview, the uniqueness of each parenting situation. Mm. The roles, the outer roles we can categorize, how they interact is the infinity of what we all bring individually to it from the inner. That's so cool. That's amazing because then you can start to see how how different and how unique we all are in every role we play. Yes. Yes. And how we don't want to be stereotyped because I think for us in our evolution as human beings, we want to be more of what we potentially can be. And these are some of the ways. It's not just habits and hobbies. It's really what is it that I see over there that I deeply admire? And how would I do that? It made me think about, say, a great role like Macbeth or Hamlet and how every actor, even though they've got the same words and even the same stage directions, it's a very different experience watching that person. Yes. Thank you, as always, Marita. This was great. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. Thanks to Marita for that deep dive into our third principle. Relationship systems rely on roles for their organisation and execution of functions. Roles belong to the system, not to the individuals that inhabit the system. My key takeaways are as follows. While leadership is typically a designated outer role on a team, like a manager or director, we hold that leadership is also an inner role that belongs to the whole system. Social pressure will impact roles heavily. For example, how parenting is shifting and changing. Role nausea occurs when someone becomes tired of playing the same role. If we can understand that roles are functions, not people, then the possibility exists for the roles to be populated more flexibly. Next time, Marita will be deep diving into our fourth principle. Relationship systems are naturally intelligent, generative and creative. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the Relationship Matters podcast wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. And for more articles, resources and information about ORSC courses, do check out crrglobal.com. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters.